Hey everyone, welcome back to part two with Margaret Blair Bennett, Doctor of Physical Therapy. We are continuing our discussion on concussions and then rolling into the adjusting or manipulation of joints. That is the popping or cracking of a joint that you might associate with chiropractors or osteopaths. Now PTs do it as well. Dr. Bennett explains why joint manipulation is a valuable tool that she uses in order to bring about the best results for her patients. Want to get amazing insights and perspectives from local health and fitness professionals here in Jackson Hole? This is the podcast, and I am your host, Dr. Laura Wright. Any other things you want to share about concussions, misconceptions that you can clear up, things that you hear that maybe like used to be what, you know, people said, like you said, like staying in a dark room? Um, Sure. Um, I think one of the other misconceptions is that there's like a grade to a concussion. People will say they have like a grade one or grade two or grade three concussion. That's, that's no longer the case. Um, it's either you had one or you did not. There's no severity of a concussion. Um, you know, again, that concussion is just that metabolic transfer within the cell. So you could have that, but have no headache or dizziness. But if you sustained enough force, then that shearing and stretching could have occurred. So I think that's a misconception that there is this grading system. Um, also, another misconception we see a lot is that they, a patient will go to you know, urgent care or the ER and they'll have an x-ray or an MRI done and they'll say, well, I had an MRI and it said I didn't have a concussion. Well, an image, an MRI or an X-ray or CT scan, no matter what it is, an, em- an image cannot diagnose a concussion. Mm-hmm. We have no imaging, we have no blood tests, we have nothing right now that can diagnose a concussion. The physician will order the MRI or the CT scan to rule out a brain, a brain bleed, to rule out a skull fracture. It cannot diagnose a concussion. There is no physical change that occurs to the brain if you sustain a concussion that could be seen on an image. The only way to diagnose a concussion right now is if we can compare your current abilities to how you behaved prior to your event. Mm-hmm. So a baseline test. That's the only way we can diagnose a concussion. If we can perform a baseline test and say, this is how you perform on these tests, these tests that we've chosen for our baseline concussion program for St. John's, is they are very, very sensitive to change if you sustain a concussion. Mm-hmm. That's all the research behind them state that if you can do these things today at a certain level and then you do them again tomorrow after you've had a concussion, if there has been a change in your physical state, these tests will be able to pick it up. So that brings me into the baseline concussion program that St. John's um, has created. Mm -hmm. So um, it started back in 2017, Watershed Jackson Jackson is a nonprofit organization in Jackson Hole that works with spinal cord injury and traumatic brain injury patients. They started a grassroots movement towards baseline concussion testing. Mm-hmm. In 2019, 2018, 2019, the leaders of St. John's Health asked uh, Chris Smithwick, our cognitive therapist, mm-hmm. myself, 
and Watershed Jackson to work together and create a baseline concussion program for the county. Uh, we've done that. So we have a, a baseline concussion program that is countywide, and on average, we screen anywhere from three to 500 athletes in the Jackson area. Mm-hmm. We're able to screen anybody. Um, it can anyone from the Tesco are valid from six years old to throughout your lifespan. And right now we've taken to going to the club. So we go to the ski club, we go to the hockey club, the lacrosse club, the rugby club. So we go to each club and we perform the testing at a convenient site for them. Mm-hmm. We are really working towards having the baseline concussion test put into the school physical. Um, or they can come to our clinic at Teton PT and Rehab and have it done at our clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we're working towards is having it in the school physical right now uh, we go to the club and, and do it for you guys so that baseline test is huge it shows us where an athlete is day zero you know how are they feeling what are, what can they do and then they've had an, they had an event they had an injury now we can redo those tests and we can say hey when you did this last time you know you actually did have a little bit of dizziness when you turned your head left to right really quickly and had to focus mm-hmm. on an object. You did feel a little dizzy. Okay, now we do it again after your event and you feel just as dizzy, well, that's normal for you. If yeah. I didn't have that baseline to compare, then I would think that that's, that's an impairment and that's something we need to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's things that we find in balance you know, where someone could balance, you know, they're, they're balanced like a champ. They have no problems with balance. And then they come into the clinic and we redo the same exact test. And now they're falling all over the place. Mm-hmm. So, and that's something you can't fake that, you know, all the tests, like I said, they're very sensitive to change and there are, you know, people want to play. So there's always that chance of someone, you know, fibbing, if you will, or trying to beat the test. Um, but these tests we've chosen are so sensitive that there's no way you could, it um, and so that you could keep playing if it's not safe for you to do so. What are your other favorite things to work on? We've talked about concussions for a while. What else do you enjoy working on? (laughs) Um, So I think, you know, as a physical therapist, if you don't love treating low back pain, you're not in the right profession. (laughs) We see a lot of low back pain. Um, So I I do enjoy treating the low back. I enjoy treating uh, the shoulder a lot. I think it's a really complex joint. And we have a lot of injuries there in town. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty sure. Uh, I like treating the neck. Um, That kind of goes hand in hand with what I do with the concussion work. But neck pain and and headaches in general, concussion aside, are a great way to make a a change in someone's life. You know, you wake up with a headache every day and it's just this dull ache that gets worse when you sit in front of your computer for 10 hours. Um, you know, it can really affect your life and can affect your relationships. So, you know, being able to help someone get over that headache is, is really, I love that because even low back pain, you can modify how you lift something up. You can modify how you get out of bed. You can modify how you get in your car so you don't feel the pain as much. But a headache, you can't modify your life to get rid of a headache. It's always there. Um, and sometimes it comes out of nowhere and you have no idea what even caused it and you can't prevent it and you can't get rid of it. So headache is something I really find joy in treating because it's a way that I can help a patient 
um, where they might have, may not have been able to do it themselves. Um, so yeah, low back pain, shoulder, headache. You know, I like treating the foot and ankle. Um, yeah, I mean, there's really not much. Yeah, those are pretty much the, the big joints that I like to treat. Awesome. And so then you re recently went to an HVLA adjusting or manipulation, whichever one you call it, let me know, seminar. What does that mean? Can you kind of explain that to our audience? Yeah, so um, HVLA is high velocity, low amplitude uh, thrust manipulation or mobilization. We don't use the adjustment word, that's yours. Okay. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy either <laughs> way. Some chiropractors use manipulation. It just, it sounds manipulative to me. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. So I took this course and was offered through the American Academy of Manual Therapy. Um, they're a physical therapy group um, run by a physical therapist. It's the last name is Dunning. And they're amazing. I think that they have really great philosophies. They are trying to push our physical therapy profession into the future and trying to get us away from the old stereotype of, you know, let's just get heat and sim on somebody and give them some clamshells to do in the corner. You know, we are so much more than that. And this field, this, this one group, American Academy of, physical, of Manual Therapy is really trying to push the boundaries on what physical therapists can do. And they're, they have the research behind them. So it's amazing. So high HVLA is a way that you can move a joint in order to provide pain relief and improve function of that particular joint. So the course I took was in Idaho Falls, and I actually was my honeymoon. So work-life balance is not always <laughs> my forefront, but um, we went there, and and I took this course and and learned how to mobilize from you know, the upper cervical spine, so the C0, uh, C1, right up the skull, um, the joints all the way from there, all the way down to your sacroiliac joint, which is your pelvis to your low back. So learned ways to manipulate the whole spine, um, no extremity work, that, that's a, another course. Okay. Um, but so far, it's really been a huge asset to what I do and, and what I can provide for my patients. Yeah. Do you, can you tell us some about the research and how effective it is? I mean, I think it's fun for me as a chiropractor that, you know, PTs are doing it and that you guys are producing a lot of research backing it up as well. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, I don't have the exact studies in front of me, but I know that a lot of the, the course, what they were showing was providing a, 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 high velocity but low amplitude. So that's a quick movement, um, high velocity, so quick movement, but not overly powerful. So that's kind of breaking down what the HVLA stands for. And, and we really try to mobilize within, within a mid-range of a joint. So if somebody, not an end range of a joint. So we don't take someone all the way to their max and then push them farther. That's not where we're going. We're trying to take the joint through the, the ways of the, the way a joint moves is called arthrokinematics. So we use the arthrokinematics of a joint, how it moves, and we will put it in a certain position where things are almost locked up. Not completely locked up, but almost there. And we do a quick motion, 
not a lot of force, but a nice quick motion, and you will feel or hear a pop or a cav cavitation. Mm -hmm. And if you do that effectively, you can get a pop, and then that joint will kind of open up and release and be able to move a lot, lot better and a lot faster. Um, yeah, so that's, I mean, in essence, it, it is, you know, I think that's a, a great area where our two professions do overlap. And I think there's been so much of a, of a power struggle between our two professions to say, mm -hmm. I own this and you own that and you can't do this and you, mm -hmm. you know, you can't do exercise, but I can't do manip. And it's like, no, in the end, we just want to get people better. So if they get better with a Cairo, then go to a Cairo. If you get better with a, with an acupuncturist, go to an acupuncturist. If you feel better with PT, go to PT. Maybe I'm not the right PT for you. Maybe my colleague is. Let's get you on his schedule or her schedule. And, and letting go of that proprietary, this is mine, and I own this as my profession, I think is what's going to excel and push forward all of our professions so that we can yeah. help as many people as possible. Um, but yeah, manipulation... And, and mobilization of a joint is crucial to getting a joint moving the way it's supposed to move. I mean, I can prescribe specific exercise till I'm blue in the face, but if the joint's not moving the way that it's supposed to move, then it doesn't matter how I strengthen a, a muscle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, all, all movement is, is based on joint motion and muscle function. So if the muscle's functioning properly, but the joint's not moving properly, we're only going to get so much better. And then on the other flat side, if the joint's moving well, but we're not teaching it how to move properly, yeah. it's not going to get better either. So we need to move a joint, move it the correct way, and then provide exercise or, you know, strength-based programs that will allow that joint to move the way it needs to move and stay that way. You know, I, we see it all the time. I'm sure you guys do too. You know, a patient will feel really good and they'll leave. And then six months later, they're back and they're like, yeah, it's back. You know, it's not as bad as it was, but it's still there. And it's like, right, because we, we may not have addressed the whole picture. You know, obviously, you know, I didn't give you enough things to do at home. You know, I, you know, or maybe there wasn't enough follow through on the joint side. Right. Or you didn't do them at home. You know, that's, hey, <laughs> like, you know, it's, there's definitely, um, you know, things that we, we need to address the whole picture of the patient and not just the joint or not just the muscle or not just the shoulder. You know, if someone has shoulder pain, the likelihood of their impairment coming from their back is incredibly high. All of the muscles that attach the shoulder on the back side have to attach to the spine. Mm -hmm. So if we're not addressing the spine, then we're not going to address the shoulder properly. Um, if we look at the low back and we only treat the low back and we don't do anything with the hips, we're missing a huge picture of what's possibly causing this person's pain. Um, you know, they have knee pain. We also have to treat their foot and ankle. Mm -hmm. If their foot and ankle isn't, you know, landing properly or not supportive enough, then their knee is going to have to accommodate for that instability in the foot. So it's really about the whole picture of the patient, and if we only get tunnel vision on their one joint of pain, we're going to miss a huge, a huge way that we can help our patients and and you know get them to live their full life. Do you experience as a PT a lot of misconceptions about manipulation or fear, or do you feel like because you're part of more the standard medical system, they trust you more? Because there's there's so much skepticism about you know chiropractic and chiropractic 
adjustments. You know, people are like, oh no, not a chiropractor. And I think maybe as a PT, people can lean into that more, but. I think, I think that in Jackson, people are more open to trying new things with a PT. I work in other settings and in other states. Well, I've worked in outpatient, but in, in a different state. Mm-hmm. And the apprehension towards me providing manual therapy was high. I mean, it was like, wait, don't I just have to do exercise and then you'll put heat and stim on me? You know, yeah. where are those like nice fuzzy electrodes? Like, no, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> you know, and, and just really trying to push the boundary on what we do as physical therapists. I think in Jackson, at least in our clinic, people are a lot more receptive to having a therapist use their hands to improve their function. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, going with the manipulation as well, I know for me, if it is somebody's neck that I'm manipulating, there's definitely a lot more apprehension. Mm-hmm. And what I'll tend to do is bring the patient into the position and I'm say, I'll say, I'm going to bring you on a position and I'm going to take you out of it. Tell me how you feel when we're in that position. Mm-hmm. So I take them into the position and I don't apply the high velocity motion. I just bring them there and I take them out and I say, how does that feel? And they're like, well, it's a little uncomfortable. It wasn't too bad. Great. So if you're, if you're comfortable with it, I'm going to bring you in the exact same position. I'm going to provide a little bit more force. It'll last a second. And then I'm going to take you right back out of it. When I provide that force, you'll probably hear a pop. It's normal. And like I said, I'll take you right back out of it. Okay, fine. So I think people are, are more receptive to it if I've if I bring them into the position and then take them out and provide the education around what I'm doing, um, you know, nobody likes to just have no one talk to them and they take their yeah. head in their hands and throw, you know, and yeah, turn yeah, around. We never no one likes that. people so, like that. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, in, in Jackson, there's definitely much more um, acceptance around manually using what are quote unquote chiropractic techniques um, to help somebody. I mean, in the end, at our clinic, we have a very holistic way of treating somebody, you know, kind of as I explained, if you're treating the knee, you have to treat the foot. Um, that's not the, the case in, in physical therapy practices outside of Jackson, you know, yeah. I, I, in other places I've worked in, you know, they just really get tunnel vision and they say, well, the, the physician order says, says, says knee, so I can only treat the knee. And it's like, no, 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 like we are doctors. You know, I have a doctorate in physical therapy. I can treat other areas of this person's body because it's affecting their knee pain, you know, and using that, that clinical judgment and using that professionalism to justify what you're doing is what's going to help continue to progress our profession into the future. Mm-hmm. How do you explain the pop noise or the cavitation? Cause that's one of the questions that we get pretty often and probably you do as well. Sure. Um, I say, I mean, there's a couple, Sometimes I say, you know, the joint, you know, especially in the spine, all the areas of the joint are really, uh, they're, they're, they're like puzzle pieces sitting on top of each other. You know, it's not like a, a hip, a hip socket where you have this nice ball in a solid joint. Um, you know, the spine is kind of laid on top of each other really intricately. And sometimes when you apply a force, those little intricate pieces can move. And sometimes that can cause a pop. Um, sometimes there's air within that space, um, and that can be released. Um, sometimes I say, it's just a feel good noise and you're going to like it. Mm -hmm. And just kind of, you know, just, 
you know, because some people don't want the whole, you know, anatomical explanation. And you just say, just, it, it's going to feel really good. You know, it, yeah. it, everyone likes their neck popped, right? And they're like, oh, yeah. And then they let you do it. How do you answer that question? I mean, I think I'm usually explaining probably the more scientific, like the air bubbles in the joints. And initially we thought it was the joint stretching and the air bubbles popping, making a cavitation. Now we think it's, I mean, from what I've heard, air bubbles forming and somehow that makes the pop that there's, that there's theories, but we don't know exactly why joints pop. And, you know, I think it's like every 20 minutes, you know, a joint can pop. So it takes some time. Typically you can't just like pop your knuckles and then, you know, a minute later pop them again. So. Sure. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard question to, to answer. And I think, you know, especially when it comes to medical practices, the the honest answer is always the best one. So yeah, Mm -hmm. just the, it's just, it happens. Yes. Yeah. And this is it what we think. And, and, that it's, so, and that it's not, you know, cracking the bone and that it's not that I'm you right. know, doing a little shift and it has to do with the stretch. It's not, you know, crunching on anything and exactly. kind of clearing up exactly. those misconceptions exactly. yeah. that we're not you know, bone crackers or sure. like joint stretchers. So um, how do our listeners find out more about you book with you? You said you work with people you know, from the hospital outpatient, can anyone come see you? How would they do that? Yeah, yeah, anybody can come and see us from the community. Um, physical therapists, we have direct access in Wyoming, uh, which means that, and actually physical therapists across the country have direct access. Direct access means that you can call any physical therapy clinic in the country and have an initial evaluation for physical therapy, no matter who you are or what your insurance is. Now, that being said, if you have Medicare, for example, I could see you for your initial evaluation, but then I cannot see you after that without a physician's order. Interesting. Okay. So if you have Medicare, it's your best bet is to talk to your primary care physician and say, you know, I'm having issues with my balance or I'm having some knee pain or whatever it may be. Can I see a physical therapist? Yes. And then they can write an order and they can fax it to our clinic at Teton PT Rehab or any physical therapy clinic you prefer. Mm-hmm. If you do not have Medicare and you have commercial insurance, the, the other side of the insurance coin is commercial insurance. In Wyoming, we can see you direct access as long as your care needs. So we can, we, there's no time limit on how long we can see a patient if they have commercial insurance. You can, you know, go skiing today and twist your ankle and I could see you tomorrow. And I can see once that ankle has healed and you're back on the slope. So um, that's a wonderful thing. If you do want to, you know, see somebody first to get an extra x-ray or MRI or something like that, you could do that and then they can put in order to our clinic. Um, and yeah, it's really simple. Um, every single week I have holds on my schedule for concussion patients. Okay. So if you had a concussion today, you could call and I could get you in next week and see you for your concussion. Um, because again, that time is of an essence. So our clinic really holds value in, I, they would rather me not see somebody for 45 minutes because if the event occurred and someone needed to be seen, 
that is more important that that hold is there than for me to see somebody else. Mm -hmm. So really, if you have a concussion, we can get you in within a week. Um, that's something we really pride ourselves on and can, can do that for you. And we also have, we have holds for other things too. You know, if you had a, a post, you know, if you had surgery and you needed to be seen, we could see you within a week. Um, where our clinic is, holds value on the importance of seeing somebody as timely as possible. Um, so yeah, again, I work at Teton Physical Therapy and Rehabilitation. It's in the professional office buildings right next to the hospital. Entrance E is an elephant. And yeah, I work Monday through Thursday from 8 to 5.30. Awesome. So you have a busy life. You're a newlywed. In your own health routine, what practice or habit has been the most powerful, kind of keeping you balanced and keeping you healthy amidst all of this? Yeah, that's a good question. I'd say um, journaling has been a really great outlet for me. Um, COVID has been incredibly stressful for, mm -hmm. for everyone. And I think healthcare providers as a whole are having a hard time with the constant changes that COVID has brought. Um, and just being able to, to go with the new rule because a week from now it's gonna be different. And just having that flexibility and really journaling has been a great source of centering for me and um, getting out with my dog as much as I can. Um, I have a dog named Navicular. Yeah, I was um, about I to ask Nobby about that. For sure. Um, so, yeah, I get him out. And, you know, now with all this new snow, um, I can cross-country ski right outside my front door. And we get out every day and, and do the best we can. Stay active. Um, but, yeah, I'd say for my mental health and overall wellness, journaling has been uh, a savior for me for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest. I know that this was an extra long one. We might have to divide it up into two podcasts, but there was so much I wanted to talk to you about. So I so appreciate you sharing all of this information. Thanks for listening to Health in the Whole. If you liked it, please subscribe so you can hear the next episodes. And remember, this podcast is not medical advice. Consult your healthcare provider before doing anything drastic.